Hey guys, welcome to Today's the Day with Zach Anderson. This episode is brought to you by Alchemy Sales Coaching. I hope you guys enjoy. Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome back to Today's the Day with Zach Anderson. What up, what up, what up? Um, welcome to Today's the Day. All right, what's up everybody? Um, welcome to Today's the Day. Much love to everybody. Today's the day. What up, what up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to Today's the Day with Zach Anderson. I am excited as always, but probably a little bit more than usual for this episode just because of the the conversations prior to recording. We have Joe Morton here. First and foremost, before anything else, thank you so much for being here. I know you're busy. I appreciate your time. And I'm really freaking excited to kind of dive in, especially to your story. Um, before that, though, quick bio for anyone who doesn't know uh, Joe Morton. Um, starting from the beginning, you're from a small town in Ontario, right, in Canada. Yes. You have four siblings. So there's five kids in your family. Currently, you're a father of four and a husband. You're the author of Positive In, which we'll talk a little bit about. You play. This is probably your most notable and where you're most well known for. You played a role in starting a few different a few different companies, including Ultra Footwear, Perfectly Posh, and then probably the most notable um, would be Zango. Right. That's that's Correct. what I know most about. Obviously, within Zango, for anyone who doesn't know Zango, which I assume most people listening know exactly what Zango is, and they're like, oh, what the. I used to see that everywhere. You guys sold over 50 million bottles, which is just like a staggering number in 40 different countries, which is another very impressive feat going outside of the US and doing that, which is awesome. You've done 11 iron distance events, five ultra marathons, and then you're, you're an avid climber, including Kilimanjaro and base camp at Everest as well, right? Which yes, I'm sir. stoked to talk about. That's awesome. So I'm excited, man. I, I, a lot of this stuff I didn't even know when I went through and like we created the bio. I was like, holy crap. Like I, I always knew Zango, right? I knew your name through Zango. I always knew that. And that in and of itself was more than enough. And then the, the little bit that I know about you personally was more than enough to have you on here. Um, and got me really excited. And then when I went through and read all this, I was like, holy crap. Like this is going to be fun. Like there's a lot to unpack. Um, but, but to go kind of start from the beginning for anyone who doesn't know you, including myself as well. Starting from the very, very, very beginning. So Ontario, Canada, five siblings or five of you in the, in the family. Tell me about that. Growing up, what was that like? When did you end up coming over to the U.S.? What was that? How did all that play out? Yeah, thanks, Zach. And again, thanks for having me here. I'm just stoked to be here. Um, grew up in a little town called Shelburne, Ontario, Canada. And very rural. We lived on a dirt road. I had an Italian immigrant mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's since passed away, but she was, uh, she came over with her family after World War II. And, um, so my mother's maiden name is Stefanini. And so I still have family in Italy. I love them. They're so fun. That's amazing. And, uh, and I still have family up in Canada also. That's part of that immigration that came over. And my father's from Halifax, Nova Scotia. So I grew up pretty typical Canadian kind of ordinary guy from little rural town in Ontario. Played hockey, still play hockey. Actually, <laughs> pretty fun. Um, I haven't you kind of fit for, the part. I, yeah, I haven't played for a long time, but I started again recently, and I just, I just love it. It's just, I, I grew up like if you would, if you could imagine, like you think, oh, do all Canadians play hockey? Yeah, pretty, pretty close. And pretty much um, everybody. And we had a pond, so out in the country, and so we'd play on the pond. Me and my brothers and my friends. We, and it is kind of fun. We um, lived in in. Uh, not on a farm because um, my parents were not farmers, but surrounded by farms. So yeah. just grew up in a very rural kind of environment and, and I uh, loved it. My mother um, during my teenage years owned a health food store 
And um, my father started the Canadian division of a company that you may have heard of here called Nature Sunshine. And so he started the Canadian division. He wasn't, he wasn't an owner, but uh, yeah. the guy who kind of brought them into Canada. So I was around health and nutrition products my whole, from just sort of and just, early and just business minded people, very entrepreneurs, much, very much. Which, yeah. It's direct sales. And so person to person always around that kind of environment around sales yeah. and around the direct sales industry and around health and wellness. So yeah. I was like, we're talking, my dad got involved in the mid seventies. I want to say early to mid seventies. Yeah. And, nobody was taking herbal supplements back then. I mean, it was like the woo woo stuff. Oh yeah. My was- <laughs> parents were like out there. And, uh, and so we were taking echinacea before anyone even know what echinacea was. We were taking yeah. vitamin C with Dr. Linus Pauling's studies and stuff. We never, I mean, I, that's just kind of stuff I grew up with. And now it's yeah. ginkgo biloba's ginkgo biloba's like, pretty mainstream, you know, yeah. that was before health and was, wellness has a much larger focus and like, my, yeah, been adopted a lot, a lot. My, my parents just up the street from me is a place called sprouts, you know, yep. we were growing sprouts on my, in our kitchen <laughs> before sprouts for your a, mom's store. Yeah. Well, just, just in general, just to have them. Yeah. We were not allowed to have sugar. We were not, you know, we didn't go for Halloween. It was a little disturbing, but I joke about that, but uh, you know, it's, <laughs> we, we had that kind of an upbringing before, before it was cool. Yeah. You know, and to see it develop, it's been pretty fun. That's very, very and cool. So, and of course I, me and my brothers, we grew up and my sister, um, she'd play hockey, but we all played hockey and I played baseball in the summer and just typical kind of rule. That's awesome. Rule lifestyle. So then how long were you there before moving? Did you graduate high school there and everything? Yes. And then in your adult life is when you moved to the States or mm-hmm. I, I graduated from, uh, high school and went to, Hawaii went to BYU Hawaii. Oh, nice! For one semester with my brother, which I assume is extremely different from where you grew up. <laughs> like mind-blowingly different, <laughs> but it was wonderful. It was a great. Had great experiences there. It was yeah wonderful. I spent one semester, and then I and then I took a couple years and served an LDS mission. Where did you serve? Montreal, Canada. Okay, cool. So I kind of well. That's like someone from Utah going to Idaho, you know, went back to the homeland yeah, pretty much. But, uh, very, but it very was similar. wonderful. I learned French and, um, it was a great, great experience. That's and really then cool. went back to BYU Hawaii after that. Oh, after your mission yeah, as well. My wife and I got married in Canada. I've been married 30 years, almost 31 there years. We go. There we go. You passed, you passed a lot of the big benchmarks, oh my 10 gosh. year, 20 year, 30 year. I, I like feel, it. I feel so fortunate. She's amazing. Um, yeah, we got married and moved immediately back to BYU Hawaii. That's awesome. Went there for a year and then came back to Utah. So in all this time, so through, you went on your mission, you came back, you were, you, that you were just in school, I assume, right? In school at BYU mm-hmm. Hawaii. And then after school, you came to Utah mm-hmm. and where were you kind of like poised? What was your like life plan at that point? I'm assuming it's ended up very different from what your plan was, but I'm really curious because a lot of people are in very similar situations in college, just finishing college, don't really know what they want to do, or maybe they do think they know what they want to do. What was your life plan? What were you in school for? What was your, your game plan at that point? That's a good question. I was going to school at the time in international business. So I was, that was kind of like my major. I went BYU Hawaii then to BYU Provo for one semester. Yeah. And then I ended up at UVSC when UV, when UVU was UVSC. There you go. That Um, dates you a little bit. That dates you a little bit. bit. (laughs) And, um, great school, by the way, phenomenal. I mean, 
so proud of the the efforts that they've. I mean, they're huge now, biggest yeah. school in the state. Uh, at the time, they weren't; they were small, and uh, it was great. Um, doing international business, but I always wanted to start my own company. That was my that was my goal. You knew that? Oh yeah, hundred percent. What even what? as a, even as a kid, when I'd sit on that little dirt road and yeah. and play with my with my friends and my brothers, I want to start my company someday. Where did that come from? Just that entrepreneur, I think that entrepreneurial spirit of being around so many direct mm-hmm. sales folks and, and I mean, I was blessed. I had a, I had a dad who was very self-taught and so he read a lot of books. Yeah. Bob Proctor, for example, he took us to a Bob Proctor seminar when I was a teenager. That's amazing. Like, that was cool. That's In fact, very remind cool. me about that because I had this moment decades later. In Mexico, when I met him, he was on our stage at, at, a, at a Zango event. Where you met Bob Proctor? Again. Oh, no way. But <laughs> since the time I was a teenager. Anyways, it was <laughs> wild. But I took a seminar, and so I learned <clears throat> I learned this stuff as a kid. Yeah. Our father would, um, we'd jump in the car. We lived in the country, and so we traveled a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> going back and forth all over the place. And uh, that was just life when you live in the country. Yeah. You, you spend a lot of time in the car. For sure. And so he would listen to Zig Ziglar tapes and Bob Proctor and, and Tony Robbins when later in the eighties. And so I, I kind of grew up with that. That's and, amazing. Um, I, I always wanted to do my own thing, you know? Yeah. And so that was a, just a dream and a goal of mine. And I didn't have any clue how I was going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. But, but again, as time goes on, I had to learn those things on my own. I'm grateful yeah. that a dad taught me that stuff. Yeah. And he put me in those situations, but like that, like life, you have to care and figure that stuff out on your own and yep. you can get into that at a different time in the podcast. But, um, I had to learn that on my own, but 100%. it was a good base. It was a good base. And yeah, a lot it, of that's it what gave you the right me. lens to like exactly. look through. And then obviously you didn't have all, you didn't have all the experience. You hadn't had the failures that are required to go and get the successes, mm-hmm. but you had the right lens to look at it. Like, that's yeah, right. that's what I want. That's right. And which so, is really cool. So when I started working at different companies, they were direct sales companies and I was doing school on, on the side kind yeah. of thing. I was working full time and doing that on the side. And I wanted my wife to get her degree. I wanted her to get it more so than mine. I just... I don't know. It was, that was my focus. So I, I yeah. worked full time and, and I did um, my degree at night. Yep. And so I took, took every job. I didn't care what it was. Taking orders, <laughs> processing orders, data entry, working in a warehouse, working uh, customer service. I didn't care what it was. Yeah. I would just do whatever was there because I wanted to learn a company inside and out. I wanted yeah. to understand how all the different departments in a company work from finance to customer service and how when an order is placed and how that affects someone in the shipping department and all over, you know, a hundred percent. And so I just took whatever job. That's way cool. I think I actually haven't heard that. Like I haven't heard and thinking about, it, I feel like that's actually extremely important. You, you took it upon yourself to go and learn every aspect, not necessarily that you were going to go and be, in any of those professions long-term, but you felt the need to go and understand them probably because you had that thought that you've had ever since a teenager that you want to go start a business. Mm -hmm. Cause I feel like the best business owners can relate to the guy filing orders hundred percent, and can relate to the guy at the bottom of the totem pole per se, right? Because you've either been there and done it or you've seen it in depth and you understand it. That's really cool. Absolutely. hundred percent. And in fact, for a person who wants to become an entrepreneur, I highly recommend a person get into say customer service Yeah, because you got to solve all these problems, man. You got to solve when someone screws up over here and how that all relates Yeah, and how one mistake here 
trickles. It's the butterfly effect. It's over here. Suddenly finance has got to figure this out and shipping's got to figure this out. And, and, uh, you know, there's just so many areas. So yeah. it's really quite, quite good to be a part of a customer service chain like that to understand how decisions yeah, that's very cool. Can play a role. Nobody said that yet, and that makes perfect sense. And I think I, I think it's something a lot of people do inadvertently, but it has never really no one's really ever stressed that to me. But it makes perfect sense, and I completely agree with it. That's awesome. That's really cool. So then, how many how many years stretch was that where you're just kind of? I would say that's like your hustle moment. You're just kind of hustling, getting into whatever you can get into, making sure your wife goes through and gets your degree. How many years was that? That has probably been ten years. Cool. I'll be way who I take that away from it because I. I was just working on campus then. Yeah. I was trying to get my, my green card at the time. Yep. My wife actually is born in upstate New York, but she okay, grew up cool. in Canada. Cool. So to get my green card was fairly straightforward, but it takes time. For sure. Still. Absolutely. And so, um, yeah, probably nine years. Cause I started, I started, uh, we started Zanga when I was 30, 32. That's awesome. So, so what, well, probably nine years. And so I, I did a lot of different things and I was in several different companies. Yeah. And, um, but in the, the one company is when they, they said, Hey, we need you to go do some training in, in Australia. And I'm like, dang, I'm going to Australia. I just need to cu- train some customer service people. Yeah. But again, that became a really great experience for me because the whole, the, everything was just melting down over there. And I had to yeah. step into a leadership role at a very early age. I was 26. And that, that helped prepare me for the next time when all hell broke loose yep. and I had to step into another leadership role yeah. that built and built and built. And so you just never know where life's going to take you in. In the moment when you got out there, I see a lot of people, like a lot of people would look at that as like, dude, you just have such a cool way of looking at things. And I don't know if it's, if in the moment of when this happened, I'll get to where I'm thinking, I promise it'll make sense. Like when you got shipped out to Australia, I think probably 90% of 26 year olds would be like, F this, like, I don't want to come put out someone else's fire. I don't I, like, why am I getting assigned to a team that's crumbling from what it sounds like from what you're saying rather than like everyone wants the perfect situation, but it sounds like you were going into it with the perfect way of looking at it, which is usually how people look at things after trials, well, after trials, people are like, I'm so grateful for that during like a trial. When you're put into a trial, it's like, what is this is like the end of the world type thing. How did you have that perspective? Okay, did so you? I didn't have the perspective at first. So thank you. Okay, I, I cool. want to correct that. Cool. Um, I, I was going to say, I, was I didn't say, have you're that perspective at first. I was, I was going over there. This was my first experience. Like I was young. Yeah. I mean, uh, my son, Caden, you know, Caden, I mean, mm-hmm. he was like a baby. He was newly, newly born. Uh, the company sent me over to do some customer service training is what I was told. Mm. And I got there and what it had, I, I won't get into all the details, but basically the company had been shut down for a certain period of time due to challenges with the government and blah, blah, blah. And so I walked in, I was just shell shocked. Like yeah. I had no, no clue what I was going to do. Like none, zero. <laughs> the general manager wouldn't even come out of his office. <laughs> um, there was no, no, th- this is where that customer service thing comes in, Zach, really important. Cause I had a chance to either grow through it or go through it. Yeah. And a lot of people go through things and mm-hmm. grow, I didn't understand it at the time. Cause I was very young and, and, but I was challenged Yeah, and I wanted to quit. I'll tell you right now, I wanted to quit. I remember that moment so f- vividly. I was in my hotel room and I was like, oh, sheesh, I don't, I should be doing this. Yeah. What the heck? I'm a guy in the customer service department. 
I walked in and there was like papers everywhere. They had no filing systems. There was no communication between customer service and order entry and shipping and finance and, and operations and nothing. And I was like, oh, I don't know where to say. And I called my dad, hoping my dad would give me some sort of an out. Like, yeah, freak, get on the plane, come home, son. That sucks. It's not your problem. Yeah, yeah, it's not your problem, your customer service. I didn't get that. My dad said, Joe, this is your time to step up. You can either lead or you can go away. Yeah. This is your time to lead. I'm like, oh, stink. That's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> Stop saying stuff like that. And so I, 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 I remember just curling up in a ball on my bed and I came out of, I came up the next morning. I'm like, all right, somehow, like just all those little, those years of just working in these different departments, even at that young age, like, okay, we need to do this, 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 this. And I need this guy who's this great guy that I've worked with for many, many years over and over. I'm like, yeah, I need him to come with me. And so get him on a plane tomorrow. I'm like, okay. And so they sent him over. I'm like, started building your team. It's just, it's just had him come over. Yeah. And the two of us, we worked like 18, 19, 20 hour days. We would play, we played this video game. It was funny. I can't remember the name of it, but it was like, it was out of an arcade. And we, we just basically worked, played that video game and ate. That was it. That's unreal. I, in fact, I, I didn't even see the hotel to my outside. It was dark when I left my hotel room and it was dark when I'd come home. Yeah. And the curtains were drawn. I'm like, man, it is cold in Australia. It is so cold here. What's going on? It was in our summer, so it was their winter. Yeah. Only to find out after I was there for two and two two and a half months straight, my window was open the whole time. I'm like, because I never even opened my it. I never even opened my curtains. It was so dark. Not once because I was Dude. just dark. So it was. It ended up being as difficult as it was, and and that was one of those early experiences. Where I'm like, Whoa, like we can do kind of crazy things. You yeah. Know? That phone call, I echo that entirely. Like I, I would argue that is probably in my experience, at least just to speak on my experience com comparatively speaking, I've had a very similar phone call. Did you? I was, yeah, about, it was my end of my first year in what I do. I had two weeks left if I were to go back to work before I had to go to school and I was out of town and I basically called Casey and Alex and, and a few people like trying to convince them why I should just go back to school two weeks early. I wasn't going to get that much done in two weeks anyways. Like, and like, I tried to like, I was hoping to be like, yeah, dude, you're like great work, work your first year, go pick it up next year. And they were all like, no, 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 no. Like, this is like your chance. You make or break right here. This is going to get determined the rest. Cause how you do something is how you do everything. Yeah. And like that type of phone call, exactly like your dad, that's probably, that, that's the coolest thing he could have done for you. And I'm willing to bet, and that's probably gone and affected everything since then. Hundred percent. Like your mojo after that is you're like, okay, I can handle hard things. Next time you go and face something that you feel like is going to kill you and you want to quit, you're like, I've seen this before. I've been in this situation before, which is so freaking powerful. Yeah, it's powerful. That's. Awesome. I had another one of those years later in Malaysia, and uh, man, did I ever want to quit? And I was. What was that situation? <laughs> what was that well, one? But that, that international experience was interesting. You know, again, you never know where. Life's going to take you in, in that path, that journey in life. Um, that, hey, I'm going to Australia for two weeks. It's going to be like <laughs> awesome vacation type. I get to see the, I get to see Australia turned into close to two and a half months. And that went on to, uh, I spent a couple months in um, Korea. And then that helped me get to a point where they needed some 
training again in Malaysia. <laughs> that turned into me being there for close to a year. And, the same um, company yeah. just keeps getting you. They're like, we so, can convince him. We just need training. Yeah. Send Joe. <laughs> so, but that one, I ended up having my wife and my son uh, come over. And, big difference. Yeah, there. big That's difference, awesome. but still very tough. But my wife went home. That's the thing. She was pregnant with our second son, mm. Ethan. And, um, and I don't blame her for wanting to go home. I mean, living in a Southeast Asian country yeah, um, wasn't super comfortable. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I was still very young. I was only 27, 28 years old. And uh, it turned into one of these. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go train them. And as I was walking in, the general manager was storming out the door and, and they just fired him. And so, and my, my boss looks at me, he's like, you're up. I'm like, no, I'm not up. I'm 28. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm not up. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, he says, you're up. And I had to, uh, that day I had to sit and stare at a room of salespeople I don't remember how many seemed like 400, but it was probably like 20 or so. Yeah. I was like nervous in Asia. They don't like so much unless you have gray hair that doesn't go so well in Asia. Yeah. And I had a staff to look at and I'm like, that's when, that's when I knew I was a pretty good salesperson. Cause I convinced my wife to move over to Malaysia. I'm like, there's monkeys. It's awesome. Like you got monkeys, it. <laughs> and it's warm. And did I say there's monkeys? And I just, <laughs> she came over and it wasn't the most, and, and most comfortable experience for her. You yeah. Know? Um, but when my wife left, and when I say left, I mean, she was, she was pregnant. I mean, yeah, she had to I go home. Blame her at all. Yep. And, um, I struggled real hard and she was living with my father and my mother at the time just to transition while she was going to go home. Yeah. <laughs> And I called and I was expecting, and I, and then she's like, you need to talk to your dad. I'm like, Oh no, don't put him on the phone. I don't want to talk to him. I just want to be in misery. You already know his answer. And he came me a similar kind of a thing. That's step amazing. up and lead. That's what he said. That's it amazing. Like, no, he's like, you step up and lead. I'm like, Oh geez, I didn't want to hear that. But those are good. You know, it's good when <laughs> yeah. we hear those. Not Very. At the time. Yeah. No, at the time it's like, why do they not see what I'm trying to tell them? Why don't they like show up to my pity party and stuff? And it's, that's exactly what I think people need in those situations. That's awesome. So then that, then that spurt went and then Zango was Zango your first big business venture in your early thirties is when you kind of got into that. Yeah. What is the story of Zango? The beginning of Zango? I can imagine the background you had growing up played a huge role in it and everything, but what was the story? How did that come to be? What was the idea, the seed that turned into a massive, like mogul of a company that's well again it goes back to those early days i'm glad you asked me about that because that does tie it in a little bit because i saw herbs like echinacea and i mean we're so used to hearing that word echinacea right now but you yeah. got to know back in the 70s and 80s nobody like it's like broccoli's growing out of your ears when you say those words or or, or even like i remember protein powders where they really started to come out. My mom was the only health, like the only store in the area that were selling. So all these bodybuilder dudes would coming in by buying a <laughs> protein powder from my mom. I mean, it was new and exciting and hip. And so I kind of watched this develop and I always thought that'd be cool to bring something new to market. Yeah. So when I was living in Malaysia, it's very common. If you've ever been to Southeast Asia, there's like little side stands all over the place. They're selling fruits and vegetables, yeah, yeah. botanicals. And, um, I was in this place in Northern Malaysia and they were selling, there's a whole bunch of them, everything from rambutan and lychee and, and, uh, and durian and mangosteen, both of them. And durian smells oh, awful. 
It is just awful. It's so awful that they have like no durian signs at hotels and stuff. Like anyone who's watching it's this that right bad. now, you're like, I know that one. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like, it looks like this very spiky kind of fruit. So they call it the king of fruit and they love it. Like it is just, they're so passionate about it. I'm like, king of fruit. Hmm. And then they would all, and then mangosteen, they grow side by side. There's like two growing seasons a year. And they're telling me the story that when I eat durian, it makes me heaty is what they'd say. It makes me heaty. And when I eat mangosteen, it cools my body down. It brings it into balance. They said it's like the yin and the yang. You don't have one without the other. Mm. So I'm like, hmm, what's that all about? Why is it making heaty? There must be a thermogenesis process going on with this, with this durian. So I started studying both of them. Yeah. And sure enough, there was something with durian. Um, uh, it's an alkaloid that does, in fact, create the thermogenic process, but it's like over the top. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows in Southeast Asia you don't eat that and drink alcohol at the same time. That was kind of one of the one of the rules because it's just so powerful. Yeah. But mangosteen, why does it bring it into balance? Why does it why is it why does it cool your body down? What's this all about? So as I studied each of them, the science got more and more with mangosteen and less and less with durian and mangosteen one. Mm. And so what I found out is they would uh, for thousands of years, like in all of Southeast Asia, they would and it grows everywhere in Southeast Asia. Uh, they make a poultice out of it, the whole fruit, Yeah, put it on their skin for skin conditions. They'd make teas out of it. They'd boil it up and make a tea out of it and drink it for uh, stomach conditions, dysentery and diarrhea. And what is dysentery and diarrhea? It's an, it's an inflammation issue. And so it's just these things just spurred. And I was like, what, where's the science? And then there was science uh, linked to a, a chemical compound called xanthones. And I got my, my brother who was doing a PhD at the time to help us do a little bit of this research. And that's ultimately where... It came from that idea. That's unreal. So that, I mean, that's also, I guess, blessing in disguise. You got sent out Southeast Asia. You're like, what the heck am I doing here? I don't want to be here. And that is actually kind of the root of. Exactly. Wow. That's really cool. Talk about like, we, we talk about it every episode. People bring up these trials that end up being blessings and like biggest blessings in disguise. That was a huge one. Obviously that's crazy. And you know, you're, you, I, I was blessed again to learn a lot of that stuff growing up that you I, I don't know who said grow through it and don't just go through it. I'm not, I'm not sure. It could be a link to so many different great ones. Yeah. I can't take credit for it, but I mean, I heard that stuff growing up, but when you get, te- you have to be tested at some point. Yeah. I'm very blessed to have had that growing up, but I had to put it to a test. Yeah. You had to do it. Yeah. There are so, I mean, there are so many people that there are so many people putting environments to go succeed and they have all of these people at their disposal. I mean, now you have anyone at your disposal through books, podcasts, videos, anything oh, like that. So and, amazing. and so few people go and capitalize on the lessons they learn. And very few people just do, they go learn or whatever they don't go do. And you had to go and I assume it probably was not easy spending two months in those conditions in Australia and then almost a year in Southeast Asia. And a lot of people probably would have broke, right? So that's, I mean, that's attesting to you, which is really, really cool. I came close. Yeah. I, which it was is during good. during the Asian economic crisis in the late nineties. And so it was pretty, pretty so wild. So your dad's time. response was perfect. He gave no room for explanation. I didn't he just want said, it Do though. It. I, I know. didn't want it in the moment. You probably didn't that. want it, right? When no. You, called, you were like, hey, dude, it was 2.30 in Spain. I was in my underwear and I left the hotel room to co- make the call. And my friend Grant, you know, Grant Dunn yeah, was yeah. sleeping um, in the hotel room. And I left at 2.30 to make the call because that's when Casey was awake. And I got locked out of my hotel room in my underwear in Spain. I don't speak Spanish. And I'm like, what's happening? Casey literally gave me the most blunt, like, no. He's like, if you if you quit on this, even if you're not going to go make another dollar, if you quit on this, you're going to quit on a lot of things. 
And I spent like, he listened. Luckily, Casey's cool. He listened. He listened for like 30 minutes. I gave him every excuse. I'm like, syllabus week's coming up. I don't know my books. I got to make sure my car is good for school. I tried everything, like everything. And the end answer was the same. And then I went to Alex thinking, oh, Alex is smarter than Casey. Like my ignorant self was like, Alex is smarter than Casey. If if Alex says to go home, then I can call Casey and be like, yeah, dude, I was going to listen to you. But Big A told me mm-hmm. to to chill. And like, I hated that answer. But I did it. Like I went back out to Memphis, Tennessee, miserable. And those two weeks ended up being like am- amazing in the fact of like, I realized like, okay, that was m- me being soft. Like that was me quitting. That would have been quitting, even though I had a million reasons to justify why I wasn't quitting. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I totally relate to that big time. That's awesome. So then Zango, the idea comes to be, how did that end up rolling out? Your brother was a big help. It sounds like getting his PhD. A, yes. Uh huh. And then I had another brother who was, became a partner of mine in Zango. So you guys partnered all like the brothers went and ran that thing. Well, my, my one brother, uh, was doing his PhD at the time. And that's where he kept his focus, but he helped me gather a lot of research. And then he did stuff for us over the years. That's awesome. Um, he's a PhD. He's a, he's a professor over at the university of Utah medical center right now. That's medical cool. School. Um, but I had, a, I took on several partners and there ended up being six of us uh, to start the company. That's so cool. And then starting that, how, how did that go? You get back home from Southeast Asia, I assume back to Utah. Yeah, and you have this idea. For, I had worked for another company for a little bit. Okay. And, uh, for three years actually, and gathered a little bit more experience, you know, again, yeah. ultimately, uh, start something. So I worked in the Philippines, opened up a couple offices in the Philippines, spent several months there and then ran the U S markets. I, I worked with Japan and Hong Kong and Taiwan and then, then ran the U S markets for their, their sales. And, uh, and then, then we branched out and started it. So then you branched out when you branched out, what was that conversation with your wife? Like, Hey, I'm going to go start this thing. Or it, it sounds like it had already been in the process. Like you were doing it on this side in essence to what you were doing, or maybe you were doing your job on the side of going and formulating Zango as an idea to go well, and launch. She, she knew that it would ultimately start one day. And I remember when we were living in Malaysia, actually, we, we were going to take our salespeople for a retreat. And I looked at the group. I had no clue. I'm in Southie. I'm in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. I had no idea the whole area. I literally got on a plane and just went literally. And, and so I don't know the region. I don't, we were supposed to go to Bali, Indonesia for a group of people. And there was some challenges with, with that market at the time. And so I'm like, where's the next best place? And they said, Phuket, Thailand. I'm like, done. Get me a plane, get me a plane ticket for my wife and my son as well. Cause you know, I just wanted, so we got up there, got to Phuket, Thailand. And I'm like, Whoa, this place is cool. Yeah. This is like money and, and mangosteen is their, it's their national fruit, at least at the time was. So it's all aligned. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't understand at the time, you know? Yeah. But I remember when we were in Phuket and I said to my wife, someday we're going to take people here. And she's like, oh, we're going to take people here. It's going to be amazing. Remember looking out over the, over the beach and it's amazing manifestation, you know, like, cause we ended up taking I don't know how many people there. I can't, I can't calculate it over the years of that. We were running Zango 800, 900 people. That's crazy. Maybe a thousand plus. I don't, I don't I actually don't know the number. Yeah. But that became that place, you know? Yeah. So she knew it was going to happen one day. Yeah. And when I told her Zach, she was super supportive. That's so cool. She just said, okay, we just, hunkered down. She was, she was working with a partner selling jewelry to help put food on the table and make sure that things, cause you know, you start a company and 
it doesn't suit a lot of sacrifice. Yeah, a lot, a lot of sacrifice. So then how, how in the world do you go and take, like, it's all making sense how the idea came to be, how you even were looking for that idea. Cause you were rooted with this lens of like, I want to own my own thing. I want to start a business. You were manifesting like these big things, but then how do you go? Like for anyone listening, it's like everyone, everyone thinks they have great ideas and everyone, all of that. But how do you go and execute on a level where it's like, you have this idea and you get to the point where you're selling over 50 million bottles of this stuff. Well, I know it's a big question. There's a lot, but walk well, me through it again, just being in the industry, my whole life, understanding how that industry works, um, a passion and a love for that industry and, um, good partners, you know, because I could take all the credit. I mean, yeah, I, I came up with the original idea, but surround yourself with very good people Yeah, and uh, timing and everything. But, you know, it really starts here first though. Like I really believe in that. I really believe that whatever, whatever you end up doing, it starts here. Yeah. There's two times it's created. And, um, and so just seeing that it would, and, 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 you know, it's interesting when I had a chance to speak for other companies, I remember standing on the stage in front of however many people, whether it be a hundred people or a hundred person group or a couple thousand, I remember just thinking someday it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. That's it'll so be, freaking it'll be, cool. It'll be cool. And then just, uh, you know, just, and then just build a business plan. Of course. I mean, I don't want to brush over that stuff. That stuff is absolutely key. Yeah. The, the mechanics of a business and understanding how all the different roles play. Um, and I don't know if you wanted to know that, but business plan should include like, what's your, what's your objectives? Where, where are you going to go with it? Yeah. Um, how is that going to play out? What are the different roles? And then I, uh, when building a business plan, I always like break down everything from, from how are you going to do everything from customer service to yeah. order entry to, to, uh, shipping to production, manufacturing, finance. Yeah. Legal, legal is very, very important. Yeah. It's just all the different, all of the above, you know, like well, that's yeah. very important. Cause then when you create that plan, that, that business plan, um, and that should include, uh, uh, um, what your competitor analysis is going to be, you know, like understanding the market. And again, I think that just kind of came a little more natural for me and, yeah. and my brother particularly who just grew up in the industry is like, Oh, we know everyone, all these players, you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah. Understand what, what works. And, well, and so that, but, but the, I don't want to take away from the mechanics of it. Cause that is so key. It is key, but I think you nailed it because, and this is my understanding. Tell me if you agree and you don't have to agree with this by any means, but from, from any type of the Tony Robbins events I've been to sitting down with people and interviewing them to having people on the podcast, it's the mechanics are important. The strategy is important, but more important. And you already answered it perfectly. Exactly how, how I would have loved you to. It's like, it's what and why, and then you'll go figure out how, like if Absolutely. you figure out what and why, and then you start the how kind of comes along the way. So I totally agree. And I don't want to take away from, from the strategy either or the, the, any of that, but you, you nailed it. Like you knew what you wanted to do. You started manifesting it like, and then you started, which I think a lot of people get to the point where they have this idea of what they want to do. They have a lot of whys that maybe they're not the most convincing, but then they just never start. And I just spoke with Alex Dunn about this. And that was a big thing for him. He's like, so many people want to be entrepreneurs and like what an entrepreneur is, is someone who starts a business. So if someone comes to me and asks how to be an entrepreneur, I tell them to start a business and I'm like, well, duh, like that makes sense. Right. And 
He's That's amazing, exactly. by the way. Yeah, He's he is. Incredible, He's incredible, incredible leader. He really is. He's incredible awesome. Incredible leader. Um, but but I, I will say, I, <laughs> I I always talk about it starting here first, though. Yeah. You got you to gotta know where you're going. Yep. You have to know where you're going. And I think uh, people may want to skip that that step hundred percent and skip the, the taking a dream to writing it down where it becomes a goal and becomes, that's where I'm going. Yep. It's like a GPS. When you get into your, your car, I drive a truck, I get in my truck, you know, and I'm, and I punch in a GPS. Now I happen to know where places are in Utah, you know, but if I'm going somewhere, I don't know, you put that GPS in there Yep. and the GPS is going to take you there. Yeah. And there might be some construction and it's going to like, and kind of take you around. And I love how that works. It's amazing. I don't know how that works, but it's like amazing. (laughs) It is. It's the best. And it, and it it will still take you to that destination because you're going to come into problems and you're going to come into obstacles. And that's part of life. And no one's immune to that. Nobody. Like I love to, I think people say, ah, I'm going to be able to get, no, you ain't getting through this without problems, without obstacles. I love Michael Jordan's statement. You either, when you, an obstacle comes, he says, you either, you, you go over it, you go under it, you go around it, or you go through the darn thing, you know? Yep. And, but a GPS will take you there. It might have to detour here and detour, but it's going to take you there. And yep. that's a goal. That's the power of knowing where you're going to go. Yeah. And, um, a lot of, I think people kind of, some people. Well, it's because it's, it's, it's because that's hard. It's such an important stage. Oh, I'm going to build a business plan, which is absolutely crucial. Yep. But if you actually don't know. Exactly. It's, it's, it's lazy thinking as in my experience, I know a lot of people and, and it's so good to hear from someone who's kind of gone and done and executed it. It's so, so powerful, right? Is it's like, if you don't know where you're going, it is like hopping in and hoping maps takes you somewhere before you plug in a destination. It makes no sense. And it would never happen. You'll just see your dot on the GPS going wherever it goes. Mm-hmm. So that's, like that's Earl a Nightingale. really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you've ever yep. listened to Earl Nightingale. I love Earl Nightingale. Uh, I love that. Love that little bit when he's doing the strangest secret where he says, it's like a ship leaving a harbor. If you don't know where it's going, it's just going to ride around <laughs> crazy, like in circles and it's yeah. never going to go anywhere. Yeah. And so I believe we need to know where we're going and, and have a goal. Yeah. And, and begin with the end in mind. And yeah, yeah, there's yeah. so many, yeah, Absolutely. so many ways that go into that. So, I mean, that goes along perfectly with the theme. And I was asking you a little bit before we started recruit, uh, recording about your book called positive in like, so clearly you're passionate about this philosophy and these principles and everything like that. When did you write positive in and release positive in and everything like that? Um, and what, and also for anyone who hasn't read it, I'm obvious, I haven't read it yet. I'm absolutely going to go and read it and I'm excited for it. But like the idea, I feel like I know now where the idea came from, but what is, what is the idea? What's the philosophy behind it in that book? What is that book about? So on and so forth. Yeah. I'd love to tell you about it. Um, you may, like I mentioned at the beginning, my father was, I'm very grateful for him. He taught us uh, the importance of starting with us. I mean, yeah. And um, very important and that we're capable of all things and starting up here and manifestation and the whole bit. And, and again, I grew up with a lot of that stuff. Zig Ziglar, gosh, that guy was in my car. All he's the one of my time. heroes. He's awesome. Man. Yeah. He's one of my heroes. Amazing. That whole pump speech. It never gets old ever. Um, but I had to learn that on my own, Zach. And so that book kind of represents my journey and mm. having to learn it. So I started this company. It was great. It was going screaming 
like gangbusters for four or five years, just growing leaps and bounds. It's amazing. And then challenges started hitting in and that's going to happen in business. 08, 09 hit, the whole world's falling apart. I mean, of course we got affected every business. I don't know of any business that didn't get affected. I could go into all the details of like, I felt like I was living literally because we grew so fast and so rapidly that brings with it great greatness and fun and exciting, but it also brings with the challenges. Like, cause for a company to you're building business processes that work at this level and then suddenly we're up here and then those business processes, everything's falling whoop, apart out the door. Yeah. And then you have to piece it back together and then another business process for this level. And that's no longer, well, that's obsolete. And, yep. and then, and that was before the, the technology that we have right now is scalability is so much easier. I mean, you could scale super fast in all different ways. This is quite the case in the early 2000s and going into there was a pace at which you could scale. Absolutely. Yeah. You could only scale at certain, certain fast. And so again, not to go into all the details, but just business, a lot of challenges that came with it. And then 08, 09, I felt like I, for several years from like 08, 09 to like 2011, 2012, I felt like I was living a f- real life version of freaking whack-a-mole. It was just like, <laughs> bam, 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 bam. I couldn't keep up with the amount of just things coming up. Yeah. It was like all day, every day, 24, seven. I was really, really having a hard time and see the process of life. Zach can, as you know, it can make us bitter. It can make us jaded. It can make us angry. It can make us frustrated. It can make us play the blame game or we can learn from it and grow from it and become the person that we're meant to become through it. I was that guy that was starting to play the blame game. I was starting to become jaded and angry and bitter and like, what the heck is going on here? And again, full life version of whack-a-mole and it just didn't, it just kept going and I needed to change something. Something had to change and I didn't know what it was. I was doing Ironman competitions at the time and, and I was doing stuff. I was trying to get my head straight and, but nothing seemed to be working. So I'm like, I'm going to shake things up. I'm going to go climb Kilimanjaro in Africa. <laughs> I have no clue what I'm doing. Never done it before, but climbed King's You know, Peak. you're in a tough spot. Went out of absolutely nowhere. You're like, I'm going to go climb Kilimanjaro. It's just like, and so, um, it was 2012, uh, was that, that year. And I, a good buddy of mine, Lance, uh, joined me and my son, Caden, who was like 16 at the time. I'm like, I'm gonna go climb Kilimanjaro, hoping to find something on this mountain. I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to find. Well, I'm going to go. And, uh, and so we get to the whole experience and I'm just, my head's just not in the right space. I'm all over the place. It's probably really hard to disconnect. Oh, so hard. So hard. And so I was affected by the outside. I was an outside in going into that. And so we go through Kilimanjaro. Anyone who's ever climbed Kilimanjaro, you know, you go through multiple climactic zones and, and you go through, um, uh, you start at the, of course the base and then you go up, you get through the, um, rainforest. It's like crazy. It's just rain, 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 mud, mud, mud. And then you pop up above it. It's kind of cool. And you look, you know, we're looking out over what's, over Africa, yeah. we're up pretty high, probably about halfway up the mountain. I don't know. I'm not quite sure. All you see is clouds. It's like magical. It's like crazy. And I'm in the tent with my son and he shifts his bags around. And I actually brought this because I didn't know if you were going to, but this, I, it's like, it's like a very important book to me and I'll explain why. Absolutely. It fell out of his bag. 
Oh my, not this particular one. I, I've left mine on planes all over the place. I carry it with me everywhere I go. Yeah. So, um, it fell out of his bag and he said, I said, Whoa, Hey, did you read this? He's like, yeah, I just finished it. My buddy gave it to me. It's a great book. I'm like, Hey, I want to read that. I think I felt like I knew it. My dad had quoted it a million times. Everyone quotes this book. It's, yeah. you know, yeah, but I had never read it. At so that still, point, you had never read it? I hadn't read oh, it. Oh, wow. Again, I had to learn this stuff myself, Zach. Yeah, absolutely. So I open it up. I start reading it. And you know, I mean, there's a reason why so many people say this book is, but man, this is this was a very pivotal time for me. And I read all these. I mean, you read everything. There, you could read something from every page and say this was powerful. A thousand percent. But this particular point stuck out to me where James Allen, it's written in 1903. I mean, this is, this book is like, crazy. He says, of all the beautiful truths pertaining to the soul, which have been restored and brought to light in this age, none is more gladdening or fruitful of divine promise and confidence than this, that man is the master or woman is the master of thought, the molder of character and the maker and shaper of condition, environment, and destiny. I just remember thinking, holy mackerel, I got this all wrong. I'm letting all these things around me, they're affecting me. Yeah. I realized I'm an outer in kind of a guy. Yeah. Outer in people do blame. Oh, the weather's this way. Well, I can't do it because the weather's this way or because the economy's this way. Well, I can't do it. I'll wait until the economy turns around. It's an outer in. Yeah. Blame everyone. And I realized I needed to be an inner out. Inward out. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you get this right, that's what he's saying. Oh, yeah. That's really the message of this book, right? 100%. 100%. He's saying, like he's, he goes on in the next verse, as a being of power, intelligence, and love, and the Lord of his own thoughts, man holds the key to every situation and contains within himself that transforming and regenerative agency by which he may make himself what he wills. Yeah. I was like, dude, you're, you're, you got this wrong, man. You're blaming all these things around you. It's inward out starts in here. You get this right. You control everything. Yep. As a man thinketh by James Allen. It's, it's phenomenal to say the least. I try and read that book twice a year. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far. It was brought to you by Alchemy Sales Coaching. Now, I typically don't run ads, um, but I feel very strongly about Alchemy Sales Coaching. I started doing one-on-one coaching with Doug back in 2019, and since then, I have gone and not only blown up my career and my earnings, um, but it's really helped me through just the ups and downs of life. Now, the reason I feel so strongly about Alchemy is because it's a group of individuals not only focusing on furthering their sales career, but they're diving deep into inner work. Um, and becoming the best version of yourself so you can show up and be the best version of yourself. Um, not only that, if you have any interest in doing any one-on-one coaching with me, I exclusively do all of my one-on-one coaching through Alchemy. Um, so for full access to me, go and check out Alchemy. I think you'll absolutely love it. It's alchemysalescoaching.com. We will also go and post um, the links in our bio and on stories, etc. So go check it out. And oh. every time, because it's a, it's a day read, it's it's 49 pages or whatever in the copy that I have. That's, that's it. And it's like, 
And you every can listen time, to the audio too. And the you audio, audio you're going to hear something different. It's different every time. Every time every I read time. it, like I don't, I wouldn't even say that's a section that I would go and be like, oh my goodness, I've highlighted that. But like hearing you say it, I'm like, dude, that's like the secret to everything. It is. If you can figure like you out, you figure everything else out. Then the out. winds will blow because they're always going to blow. Again, no one's immune to it. Nobody's yeah. immune to stuff yeah. that life throws your way. But you realize that you get this right. And it's a battle. This is not something you just like, hey, it's not like I was on Kilimanjaro. I'm like, oh, this is great. Oh, great I now. Fixed no. It. Yeah. That went on and took me on a journey to find Wallace Waddles and and The Science of Getting Rich, which is an incredible book. And and going on to like these great books. I couldn't couldn't get enough of them, you know. And I got I had to feed myself. And I started to pe- you know, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill and and just keep going and thought vibrations and all these different books. And of course that led into like Every, every, all the modern people too, the, the Tony Robbins and at the time, Bob Proctor since, since passed away. But, um, I mean, I just couldn't get enough. Yeah. And everyone's saying the same thing, Zach. They're all saying the same thing. You got to get this straight. You know, you get this straight, man. It's amazing. It's amazing. So that's what led to my book. Cause it took me on this journey for several years. And I think i I printed it in like 2015 or something. I don't remember 2014 yeah. or 15. It took me a couple of years, but I started piecing this together and I realized there are certain things you do every day. You conquer your mind every day and you con- you'll conquer the day. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and it's, and it, and it's something that we kind of need to take responsibility ourselves for. Yeah. And so positive in came from my father used to always tell us growing up, I grew up in the eighties, child of the eighties and, Computers were starting to take place. People are starting to, I know that's hard for y'all believe like <laughs> what you remember when, yeah. Okay. There was a terminology called gigo stood for garbage in garbage out. And it basically was if you par- program garbage into a computer, garbage will come out. That's really what it's business. Yeah. So our father used to say garbage in garbage out boys. If you put garbage into your brain, garbage is going to come out. So be careful what you put in your brain. All right, great. Thanks, dad. Didn't understand it. Didn't really care at the time. (laughs) And then later in life, I'm like, whoa, this is real. This is real. And so I started to say, well, there's the opposite's true. If we put positive in each and every day, positive is going to come out in all the roles that we play. And we do play lots of roles. We all play lots of roles. And if we do that, man, we conquer the day. Yeah. And so I do it in five different ways. And that's what I get into in the book. uh, It's really six ways, but um, I get that. I get into that in the book. I love that. I'm I'm very excited to read that book. And I would even say on that, cause that concept is one of the most fascinating things I think I've ever learned. And I think the, the time where it was like impactful, cause you always hear that exactly like growing up, everyone says that in some form or fashion, but at a tone, my first Tony Robbins event, he, he hit on that big time. He's like, if you don't control your inputs, your outputs are never going to work out. And if you try and control your outputs, you're not going to have any control over it. It's going to put you in a downward spiral. But he said something really cool that I'm curious what your opinion is on it. Not only garbage in equals garbage out and positive in equals positive out, neutrality always defaults to negativity. In my experience with, with human beings, human nature, if you're not very acutely aware of what's going in and you are not catering it to be positive, like on purpose and understanding and seeing that and you're like oh yeah whatever happens happens i'm not a negative person it defaults to negative and in my line of work i see it every day with people 
If you just try and float through things, your brain is going to go and have, and, and just environment in general, just with social media and with people not having supreme self-confidence and trying to make you feel down. If you're not really aware of what's going into your head and you're not constantly filling it with good, it will be filled with bad by happenstance, even if you're 100%. not intentionally letting bad in. Gravity will pull you that way. Exactly. It will. You got, you, you got to take control over it. And, and so I just do certain things every day and so, you know, I'm not perfect at it. Sometimes I, and as soon as I'm off, man, I'd be like, nope, I got to change it immediately. Yeah. I had to change that input yeah. immediately. That's so cool. That's and so like one of the things, for example, I shut off the news. I just, just cause gravity will pull you, you know? And, um, so that's, I mean, dude, that's so gold. If, if anyone's listening to any of the podcasts and they can learn that simple philosophy of, of getting right with yourself, like that's that this podcast has done its job a hundred percent. Right. Um, and I love that. So on that, obviously it's almost been an hour, which is crazy. It flies by. We're, we're definitely going to be doing a lot of part twos and there's so much we haven't even gotten into with your story that I want to. Um, but I want to be respectful of everyone's time. So a couple more questions, one of them being, a lot of people listening are, and some aren't, but are coming into adulthood about to go start their adult life. Or maybe some of them are adults, but they're still kind of lost and like trying to start life. Like I feel like everyone has a point in their life where they start, if that makes sense. Um, for a lot of people that's going on a mission or getting home from a mission and figuring out your career. And there's different levels of that. What advice would you have or what would you caution people towards like, Hey, this is a red flag, avoid this. And you'll be so much better off that you did, or Hey, make sure you're aware of this and you'll be so much better off that you were. What would you say? I know it's an, an open question, but yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of things that I would um, a- approach with that. But I would say, remember that the world is abundant. If you can change your I am's, I love that Casey gets into the whole I am's and his, his podcast. You could change your I am's to remind yourself on a daily basis that the world is, that the abundance is real. It's not just a word, but it's real. Yeah. So why do I say that? Because abundance says there's always a way. Abundance says there's always new ideas. Abundance says there's, um, there's more, there's enough for everyone to go around. Sometimes we get caught in the scarcity mentality that, Oh, that sale happened today. Uh, no other sales out there. No, 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 no. It's abundance, abundance mentality. Yeah. That, oh, just because that person experienced that, maybe I can't. No. Nope. Yeah. Abundance. And abundance of opportunities, of course. Abundance of solutions that when we look at, when we, when, we, when going through life, and it can be a little scary going through life, especially right now. Gosh, look around. But I look around right now and saying such greatness is going to come come out of it. Yeah. There's this incredible book Peter Diamantes wrote. It's called Abundance. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And he starts off with kind of doom and gloom, like all the, this was written like 10 years ago or 11 years, I don't know, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And so it's even more so, more powerful in my opinion now. Yeah. Where he kind of starts off with, this is what the news is saying, all the negativity. He's like, oh man, let me tell you, these are opportunities for creating new ideas and new, new thoughts and new, and, and it challenges us as a world. And, and those who see the world in abundance yes, with an abundant mentality 
it's a game changer. That's my opinion. And, 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 and if, if you're listening and you're thinking, well, how can I have an abundant? I don't even know what he's talking about. Start with every day. I am abundant. Just say it, write it down. Every morning I wake up and I'm like, I'm abundant. I'd go through my I am's. I start with a, so it's perfect. Abundance is perfect because it starts right at the beginning of the alphabet and I am abundant, but here's another real, and it's free. It's called gratitude. Just be grateful. Seriously, go through a list of everything you're grateful for. And like Wallace Waddle says in his book, uh, A Science of Getting Rich, he's got an entire, it's a science of getting rich. It's called Science of Getting Rich, and yet he's got an entire chapter on gratitude. That's how powerful it is. Yeah. And he just says, the more things you're, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, the more things you're grateful for, magically you start attracting more things to be grateful for. Yeah. And that's abundance, brother. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you just said both those things, actually. Those are two of my favorite things. Any of my guys listening, anyone, anyone that works with me, they hear me harp on this. Like, if I feel someone's mood is off, we sit down and we list things they're grateful for until they're like sick of me asking. But the reason is because certain emotions can't coexist with other emotions and fear cannot coexist with gratitude. And fear is the biggest chokehold I think on success. So I love, I love that you said gratitude and then abundance. That's like the, that's like the secret sauce of being easily happy. If that like put in a very, very dumbed down way that I can understand, like that is the sauce. That's the secret sauce. If you can be abundant and approach everything that way, it takes away all of the the negativity. Like it, it really does. And you can approach problems with an abundant mindset of like, yeah, there's going to be so many good things that come from this. That's like, that's like the secret sauce of happiness. I'm so glad you said that. There's always a way. There is. So, so my last question, and again, I, dude, this has been so freaking, this has been amazing. And there's so many little golden nuggets throughout this. I appreciate it. But kind of my last question. So the, the name of the podcast is today's the day. Um, and the, the idea kind of formulated it just was something that stood out to me really early as I was kind of stepping into my, my life as what it is now. It, it was a quote saying, all I have is now. And I, I kind of rephrased that in a way that like, it just kind of became my trademark of today's the day. And what I mean by that and kind of the purpose of it and the meaning behind it is like yesterday already happened. You can't do anything about it. Tomorrow might not get here. You have no idea, frankly, and nobody does. So today is the day, like today is all you've got. And regardless of what you are doing, if you're not present, you're not in today, you're wasting it. So the number one most important thing to, pe- to for us when we're going through embedding and, and inviting people on, on the show is people who kind of embody that and live by that. And almost anyone who goes and starts a business and does what you've done with Zango and these other things, or anyone who's in any type of endurance sport, even like that's something we didn't even really get into, like has to go and live by that. Um, whether they've kind of realized it or not. So my question for you is what advice would you have for people that are struggling being present and living in today and worrying about yesterday or stressing about tomorrow to get to the point where it's like, dude, like today's the day, this is all you've got. What would your advice be? Well, you kind of hit it, frankly. I mean, congratulations. I love the name of it. It's kind of carpe diem, you know, the idea of seize your day, man, seize this moment. Um, and it's easy. You, you said it so well, too often we get caught in the past and we're trying almost like we can change it. Yeah. It can't be changed. It's, it's, it's an exercise in futility. Oh, well, if I was, 
I could just do that again. I'll, I'll say that. I would say, no, you ain't going to say that because it's in the past. <laughs> and, 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 you, and, and rehashing it's not going to help. Live in the moment. Live in the present. That's one of my points in my book, actually. It's gratitude, love. Live in the moment. Be present. And that is a beautiful thing. There's a couple authors that I really love. Um, uh, Tikhat Nan is one that I really, uh, really love him as he talks about this. He talks about how every moment can be a meditation. Like you could be standing in, in line at a grocery store and where that would normally bother someone. Why? Well, I got to stand in line. Geez. And you're thinking ahead and you're like, no, you know what? Seize that moment. Just become present. Listen. Listen to the people's voices around. It's like Dr. Deepak, Dr. Deepak Chopra says, there's healing that takes place in the gap between our thoughts. It's something very profound about that to me. It's like, be still and know that I am God. There's something about becoming present, and that's becoming tougher and tougher these days, as you know, Zach. Yeah. I mean, it's really tough to be present. And something happens when we can be present in the moment. And you brought up endurance sports. I didn't realize that's one of the things that was drawing me to it. Because when you're doing an endurance sport, it's pretty tough to have anything else on your mind. <laughs> you can't think about your business. In fact, Edgar Tolley talks about in his book, The Power of Now, he talks about how people will be drawn. And maybe this is what drove me to Kilimanjaro. Because you get into a mountain and you have to be present. You can't be anywhere else. Your phone doesn't even work. You have to be there. Yeah. And healing happens. Magic takes place. I love trail running versus road running because you know what? If you take your mind off of what you're doing, you're going down. You're <laughs> going to hit a rock. You're going to hit a root. You're going to do something. So something's happening there. So learn ways, techniques every day. Whoever's listening to this, learn ways to be able to become present mm-hmm. and in the moment. And that goes for sales too. Zach, what happens if you're, if you're going and you're sitting down with a client and your head's somewhere else? You're thinking about the last person who's a total. Exactly. Dink. Yeah. Exactly. That's yep. not helping you. No. Nope. Or if you're playing around on your phone, be present. I had this beautiful moment with my daughter. I was on a little daddy daughter date with her and I'm playing around with my phone. I'm doing stuff. And at one, and she just goes, she grabs my phone and puts it down. She goes, daddy, I'm here. I'm like, Oh, that's like, profound. That's that awesome. profound. So we could have, it would help us with our relationships, help us in sales. You know, like I just mentioned, It'll help us with just understanding life and becoming present. And you'll hear so much more. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You'll hear so much more to become present and observe. Just listen. Because stillness, as, as Edgar Tolley says, stillness speaks. Yeah. Stillness speaks. And you say, what are, what are you talking about? You'll find it out when you start to learn techniques. Heck, I do, I do cold therapy. I jump in a, uh, the, this morning early. Oh man, you ain't going to, you, you can't You're not thinking about anything nothing, else. <laughs> nothing else. That's why it's coming so powerful. Not just because, uh, you know, everyone's doing it and maybe a little bit of that. Yeah. But I think people are drawn to it because it is so healing. hundred percent. So, I, don't I love that. Know. No, that's, that is absolute gold. Finding a way to be present is like 
the life journey pretty much, which is that's that's amazing. Joe, dude, thank you so much again. I can't say thank you enough. That was amazing for me, meaning I know absolutely everybody's going to love it. So we appreciate you for coming out and then everybody for tuning in. Thank you guys. Much love until next time. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Um, as always, it was a blast for me. I hope you got something out of this. If you got something out of this video of value, share this with a friend and please go show your love. We're on all streaming platforms, including YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. Any ratings, comments, likes, shares, they go a very long way and they make it so I can keep doing these things for you. And I would appreciate it greatly. So please go share with a friend until next time.